0: getting ready for
1: it, here it comes. yeah there we go <laughs> i can go in nerd mode now as angelo says i'm in the nerd mode but hey welcome everybody this is the fall line with chaos and company uh, i'm dave caper i'm here with angelo ross and we first want to definitely shout out to our the friends of the podcast who help and support us keep us going blizzard technica um it's the beginning of the season so you're looking for skis or boots pretty darn good stuff angelo's got his behind his Behind him, and I got some behind me, man, I can't wait to get on them in about 10 days. And then also Nick's boot fitting. I know Nick and all the boot fitters across the East are cranking out right now. They're all complaining they got too much work. And in April, they'll be saying they wish they had work. But uh, if you need your boots done, this is the time. Get out there, get it done, and go see Nick and George over at Nick's boot fitting. And... uh we're starting to ski, so I don't know if there's going to be much rollerblading, but Scott's down in uh, Mexico right now, so maybe he could use a pair of rollerblades down there. But uh, thanks to Rollerblade and Miles for helping us out. And uh, everybody out there, this is our first podcast that we've had uh, that we're going down the snowboard route, which is cool. We've had some listeners asking us to do that, and uh, we have an awesome person on tonight. We have Scott Anfang on, who is a three-term national team member. Also the past coach of the team, which puts him four terms and uh, that went an extra year with the COVID year, I believe. And uh, so yeah. we're, we're psyched to have you on, Scott. Great you're here.
0: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Angela, we've got to start with Scott because I know you're the big skateboard guy. And I want to ask him because I know he's he skateboarded a lot as a kid. He, um, I've heard that in, uh, in Minnesota, right?
0: Yep. Grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, uh, yeah. started skating there.
1: Yeah. Sure. So, so did you have a lot of skate parks back then or were you guys just going around on the pavement
0: or? Uh, it was, uh, skate parks were not really a thing at that time. I mean, there was a few around, but none of them were close and, uh, it was mostly street skating, finding something cool, a curb, a bank, a stair set, whatever, and just, uh, making something fun out of it.
1: No. no, I think Angela, I think there was That's more to your skate-, skate park. Yeah, yeah, original so I think there was more to your skateboarding when you were younger and even in your teen years than just skating around with your friends. You, you did you travel or do some competitions or something?
0: A little bit. We did, uh, we there was small stuff, and there was, uh, there was a skate park actually in Milwaukee, uh, called the Turf, um, the Turf Club. We used to go down there and skate. That was the first time I really got into like big concrete transitions, stuff like that. So we made quite a few trips down there. And then there was a lot of little regional skate comp stuff and things all around the Twin Cities. And some of them were more jam format and some of them were m- more, you know, one at a time competition style, but I was involved in all those. and. Those were the days that Powell Peralta and, and all the other companies were doing tours and they would set up on their pros would come and you could go. They would have a little content and the top skaters from the area would go get and be in the demo with the with the pros. Um, so I got to do a little bit of that, which was which was quite cool.
2: Oh, nice. Angela, did you do any of that when you were younger? That. But- sounds pretty much identical to my uh yeah. my, my uh introduction <laughs> to the skateboard world and i remember um and it was a real similar setup because um we were in a tiny little blue collar town about 40 minutes away from pittsburgh and there were a couple like proper skateboard parks t- as you head into pittsburgh north versailles and then shady skates in in pittsburgh was a real big one but um pal peralta that tour came through shady skates and i remember going there we must have been we drove down so we were 16 or 17 and and tony hawk was there and we saw him do a a, a, well we called him mctwists and now it's a 540. we saw him do a mctwist on this quarter pipe it had to be six feet tall with about four feet of transition it was like basically a wall with a kink at the bottom and that dude did a did a five forty on that thing indoor. It was just it was insane. But yeah, like same setup: curbs, steps, little ledges. Um, yeah, rough concrete. Yeah, big boards. The whole bit. yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was the best. It was so fun. Like uh, yeah. Like what I, I look back at those days sometimes, and it's like the friends that I made the the shaping of, of who you are as a person and, and all that and there was a lot of opportunities to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So there, there was navigating life stuff through all that as well. Um but it was great. It was and it was funny. I I, uh, I, I saw this quote the other day. It was somebody sent it to me. It was uh Ian McKay from Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Um He said I had a little interview and he was talking about skating when he was a kid and he was like it's not a hobby it's not a sport it was it what it was to me was the way like it altered the way I viewed life or something like that and it was Mm -hmm. it was something I really connected with and he was he was talking about that's what skateboarding did and then I kept thinking that's me because I would run my fingers on ledges and like slide them like i had a skateboard on like just walking around i would see stuff and i would just play with it with my hands or view it and eye it to think i wanted to go what could i do on that on a skateboard you know and that that obviously transitioned uh into into snowboarding as well for free riding and and looking at the mountain and and getting lines and, and and how to hit stuff um i can contribute a lot of that to that old skate is for sure yeah
2: it it teaches you how to see things as opportunities instead of obstacles, and like yeah, think, things that are barriers in society, like curbs and walls and and rails, are barriers in most circumstances. But in skateboarding, they're opportunities to be creative, and and it just it's you know everybody everybody's upbringing shapes the way they think. So I, I sometimes when I I hear skateboarders say that or when i say it i I don't want to come off like it's better than anything else but like it's just a little bit different you know because you you yep. you, you learn about opportunity and i was thinking i was just upstairs thinking about skateboarding because i knew i knew it would come up and like <laughs> like falling just like how many just think about this for a second i'd like to hear your answers like how many times in a person's life in a normal person's life like after they're let's say after they're 18 how many times in someone's life do you think they fall down right
0: very very few and when it happens it's usually terrible it ends terribly
2: right (laughs) (laughs) so like when you're 17 you fall it's okay but like i'm 51 now and i'm falling and i'm like this is not good
0: (laughs) you're probably falling very well i always say there's and i say this in snowboarding there's a difference between a fall and a slam (laughs) and a fall is when you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing and you kind of slip and go to the ground. (laughs) That's a fall. Falls are okay. (laughs) Yeah. Slams at 51 are not okay. And it's typically when you're doing something, whether it's experience wise, skill wise, that you shouldn't even be trying that that's when you slam. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, Angelo has that right in his backyard. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, I mean, Angelo has his uh, little uh, ramp right in the back. He's still skateboarding now. I mean, how much are you on the skateboard now? And do you have like your own skateboard ramp in the backyard at your place?
0: I personally don't have a skate ramp in my yard, but I still do skate. I get on it and go not as much as I'd like to anymore. Um, I was involved with getting a skate park designed and built uh, through our city council and steamboat. Um, And when that process was happening, I was skating a lot more. Um, I I still go down there and skate. We've got the steamboat Springs winter sports club here in town and they have a skateboard program. And I've done a bunch of um, sessions with the kids and, and coaching with um, taking the coaches out and um, working with them to help create um, different progressions and different things for different abilities. And I, and it's taking what I've learned from my snowboard education and bringing it into the skateboard world has really brought a lot of full circle in, in a lot of the things we do for me.
1: That's cool. And it's, it's interesting. I heard a story and we'll see if it's true. I heard a story about how you saw your first snowboard when you're a kid, you were like 11 or something. wearing in that age and saw your first snowboard. Yeah.
2: I, uh,
0: we used, there's a group of guys I used to skate with there. You, uh, Angela, you might be able to comment on this too. When you get your little crew of skateboarders, it's like age doesn't matter. There's older kids, younger kids. Cause you're all skateboarders and you're all you're all together. So a lot of my friends were older and they were starting to drive and I was still one of the younger ones but I would be able to go along cuz for whatever reason I was I was good enough to play with the big guys or something. I don't know what it was, but it was fun. And uh these guys pulled up time um, and uh somebody pulled a snowboard out of their trunk and and I'd never I'd seen it on TV, but I'd never like touched one or played with it and we looked at it and, 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 uh, and it was cool. And then right away I was like, I got to get one of those. (laughs) And it was game on to saving money and trying to figure out how to not break my skateboard decks. So a little money invest in a, in a snowboard. (laughs) Didn't even try it. And I knew I wanted one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So my, my, before we hopped on the call, um, Scott noticed one of the decks I have hanging behind me, this Vision Mark Gonzalez. And I, I bought that, I think it was 1985, um, because my friend Matt had one. So I had to get one. And Matt somehow ended up with a Burton Woody. think it was a 145 Burton Woody. And that was like the first snowboard yep. that any of us owned. So I wanted to get one, right? Like I had to get a snowboard because Matt had one. And I we had this great friend, Joe Santi who owned the skate shop in the town next to us and um, he would give us little odd jobs in the shop and and then give us product and stuff for working instead of money. Cause he was just a broke kid too. But I walked in the shop one day and there was an avalanche kick hanging on the wall and it was a white snowboard had yep. pink, pink graphic and it had twin, it had, it had twin tip. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first board that was a twin tip, unless maybe Kemper had one before that, but I had to get it. So I bought this snowboard it was expensive. And then we didn't like know what to do with them. And you weren't allowed to ride at any of other resorts. So Matt had this hill in his yard and we would get like three inches of snow and we'd just like straight line this hill in his yard. It wasn't even enough snow to really turn. And then in the summer, we'd ride them on like slag heaps at the, you know, like at the, these defunct coal mines, you could ride it down there, but yeah, it was crazy. We had them, but we weren't allowed to That's use crazy. them.
0: I, uh, yep. There's uh, I, a similar, similar story. We had a, a guy that uh, was a little bit older than us that opened a skate shop and uh, he, it was Pat's skate shop right on university Avenue. And he called his distributors and all this stuff. And the two boards he could get two snowboards, he could get through his distribution network, were either a bar foot or an avalanche, <laughs> and I ended up buying the Avalanche Kick One Hundred and Sixty Five after watching all the Damien Sanders videos, Riders on the Storm, and, and all the different ones. and uh, And it's so funny because that there was no hole patterns or or inserts. It was T bolts, or uh, you either had to put a T bolt through it or you'd use wood screws mm-hmm. and you were constantly pulling them out and breaking them. Cause you were crashing. So it was like <laughs> Swiss cheese on the top of your board. And you were trying to figure out where you could put your binding and, and put a screw in that would, there was good enough wood to ride for a couple more runs <laughs> and they weren't cheap and you're just destroying it yeah. because we're like, I got to get another run. we got to figure this out. And eventually you just started T bolting them and doing stuff like that. and one, kick I still have um old pictures riding that board which which is actually quite cool that's awesome and uh similar it was straight we were no no resorts nobody would let us go and uh we used to climb this fence into a golf course and uh we just go in and there was a few times we actually brought our skateboard launch ramps and covered them in (laughs) snow. So we just had, and it was no, it wasn't about turning. It wasn't about being, it was about standing on the board going fast enough so you could hit that jump and catch some air. That's all it was.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's quite, quite
0: funny.
1: Yeah, well, I had heard that story. You, you were on the golf course, and you you were you were, you were using the bunkers too. So you are using the bunkers for like little yeah, quarter we were, pipes and stuff.
0: Yeah. Eventually, we started. We figured out all the jump here. You could land in the sand trap, and then there the, it would almost be like a tr- a transition landing, and then there'd be another jump or like a a berm to do a slash or something. Mm-hmm. So we were like creating little snowboard parks, you know. Um, cause it's just what we had and it was fun. And it goes back to that skating thing, seeing things as an obstacle or whatever it is and figuring out what to do with it and how to play with it and, and have fun with it.
2: When we so were like, how long did you ride? Oh, go ahead, Angelo. Well, I, I was, it's just a short story. When I was like a junior in high school, there was this kid named Scott, in my high school, and he had a, a snowboard too. And one day we were like talking at school and we're like, bring your snowboard tomorrow and we'll go up to the resort and hike the hill and and ride down so we brought our snowboards to school and we go up after school to the to hidden valley resort which and i still am you know involved with hidden valley and we parked the car like kind of hit it in a parking space and we walk up through the woods like walk like clear up to the top of the hill and we snowboard down and we didn't know what we're doing probably fell like 75 times but by the time we get to the bottom, there's like four ski patrollers standing there and they're looking at us and they look at the boards and they look at us and look at the boards and they said, what are those things? So, These are snowboards. They were like, get the hell out of here. And they just put us back in our car and made us leave. Like they could have get like theft of services and trespassing and all that nonsense. They just, they just couldn't compute what we were standing on. So they just threw us out. <laughs> And and yeah I mean this okay. is the thing like Angel you didn't you you did that and you weren't riding
1: a board and you were such a big skateboard guy and you know I think that's probably why you skied so much but Scott how long did you ride on the golf course before you could actually get on a chairlift like who let you in first Uh
0: you know we we would we did that for probably one or two seasons and then we started to fade there was a couple resorts and it, <laughs> kind of cuz it was they were there was the there was a few resorts that were a little farther and they was like, Oh, on Wednesdays you can snowboard there. So it'd be <laughs> like, well, I guess we're skipping school Wednesday to go snowboarding yeah. because it's the only day we can go. So it was, you know, there'd be like a r- random that you could go one day a week. And then, uh, and then it was like, then it was a couple days and then it was Monday through Friday, but not weekends. And then it was only at night or, you know, it was like constantly changing, but it was growing and it was evolving. And, and uh, then eventually it was, it was allowed. There was a um, handful of resorts around us and I would you know, Minnesota resorts, Midwest, they're um, more, more, more hills than resorts, but it, it was what we had. And it was awesome, man. Loved it.
1: So, so what did you, what else did you do as a youngster and, and coming through high school and that for sports Were there other sports or was it just skateboarding yeah. and out on the golf course?
0: No, it was... uh, I I played other sports growing up. You know, I did the normal baseball, um, like T-ball, baseball route. And then once it got to where it was like not... I guess once it got competitive and you had to try out and do all these things, it wasn't just a a pay-to-play to to lose an interest in in team sports. Um, Played though. Uh, I was a big hockey player. I still... I played all the way high school, a little bit of college hockey, and then uh, didn't do much hockey playing. And then when I started doing uh, seasons in New Zealand, I started, I picked up hockey again and playing down there simply because it could get amazing ice time. It would be like, you mean I can get on the ice three nights a week and all my games are going to be between five and eight o'clock p.m.? And they're (laughs) like, yeah, that's when we play. And that's unheard of in the states. Yeah. If you're in like an old men's league, or, or you're playing at crazy hours, mm-hmm. getting on the ice at eleven o'clock at night because it's because that's when you can get on the ice. So I, I got back into hockey down there. Um, one, I wanted to play. And two, just because of the, the the time slots we could get were amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. That's cool. And and um, you, you you're out west now, and there was kind of a trip. I think that you went to somewhere out West that kind of really put you on a path. You know, I think Jackson hole has kind of some meaning Uh to you.
0: Oh yeah. It was uh, like, I was saying before with the, the skater group that you're in and it doesn't matter what age, like there's a lot of different ages. I think I was sophomore or maybe a junior in high school and, and quite a few friends were in college already and uh, they were going to the University of Minnesota and there was a University of Minnesota Ski Club trip to Jackson Hole. And somehow I got my parents convinced that it was a good idea that I go. I got in with the the university people to somehow get my paperwork forged that I was a student to go and uh, ended up going on this big coach driving from the University of Minnesota right to Jackson hole and, and, uh, I was on that avalanche kick and that, uh, that's when I was on that trip at a shop in Jackson, because every day, my, the first two days, my days were ended short because my bindings would rip off the board and, uh, just went in and got them t-bolted. And how do you want to stand? Because you're not, you're not going to be able to change them anymore. Boom. Put them on there and, and locked them in. <laughs> Man, and, and
1: it's amazing that, you know, the, the the travel you had in terms of like, you know, starting on the golf course and, you know, your skateboarding background is awesome to work right into it. But, I mean, it was definitely that passion was early. You were going to do any anything you had to do or any sacrifice and sit on a bus for 20 hours and you were going to go s- snowboard. But then Jackson Hole really kind of put it in there that you wanted to, to ride and, and snowboard a lot.
0: I, when I left that trip, I was like, I'm moving, I'm figuring out how to, how to make it work and get, get, get somewhere and, and, uh, start snowboarding as a regular, um, and getting out of the, out of the, out of Minnesota and getting into the, you know, some of the bigger resorts. And, and I, I was ready to go that Jackson trip. Was was like you said? It was a big eye opener for me. I saw things I'd never seen before, in, in terms of terrain, like the whole app racing, the whole ski town life. Uh, you know, I met some awesome people, and 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 I, that exposed me to that whole that whole uh, part of the of the industry. And I was like, wow, this is this is amazing, and I, I want to be a part of it for sure. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I remember calling my mom. I remember calling my mom, and maybe this wasn't wasn't the smartest thing to say as a junior in high school, but it was like I was like, "Man, this is amazing! You can snowboard all day, you can have a couple beers, and you can still get eight hours of sleep." (laughs) Like the whole (laughs) app (laughs) rating. I don't know. It was was good, (laughs) and and, I mean,
1: you've worked really hard. I know. I mean, when I I look at your, your stats and team member, but you didn't have like a plan of like, I'm going to the national team. I'm going to do this. It was really an exploration. You explored kind of the snowboard thing and the mountains and the world. It's been kind of how things were evolved. It didn't seem, and I could be wrong. You can tell us, I mean, it didn't seem like you had an exact
0: plan. It was really evolved as you were going through different parts of your life. Uh, I just wanted to, I was a snowboarder who wanted to snowboard and that led me Into teaching and that the teaching thing was, you know, it was, it was more of a, it was more of a, how do you say this? It was just a, I needed a pass Wanted it. I wanted to get out and go and, 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 uh, my roommate at the time, actually, you guys might connect with this, but remember back in the, the tryouts and they made you pay to go to the tryout. No, I
1: remember those. I, uh, I remember a lot of people saying that you had to pay to go to a tryout a resort to see if you could get hired to be part of the ski school. Yeah, that's
0: uh, exactly what it was. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed a pass and I knew I wanted to be uh, at this, at a resort. We were living, I was living with a friend of mine from Minnesota. We were in uh, employee housing, so I knew I had to get a job on that was through the mountain. And, uh, I saw this thing for this tryout and I, there was a couple guys that I've been riding with a little bit on the mountain and they said, you should try out for this. I, like, oh, I don't know if I want it, and, uh, I didn't have any money at the time. And my roommate actually borrowed me the money to pay for the tryout. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, and I got on, I got on and, and, um, it was awesome. Like It, I, it probably took me a year. Before I really, really started enjoying teaching. Like I liked it, but I didn't love it. And about a year, it just clicked. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I love, like the transition from loving snowboarding to loving teaching snowboarding happened about a year in to to my um, working for the resort as an instructor.
1: And, And you've been at Steamboat pretty much the whole time for the western in the in the winters here you spent yep. in the US and and um how did you decide on steamboat okay.
0: so we had this little i don't know call it a scheme a model or uh, whatever but we were we had three things that we were kind of pricing out and looking at and it was a gallon of milk a gallon of gas and how much a t- rent was on a two bedroom apartment or a condo and we did the we did it in Vale. We did it in a few other resorts in in Colorado, and we were actually driving up to Jackson, and uh, we came through Steamboat, and we did it there. And we actually never made it up to Jackson on that trip, and we just settled in right there. And that's uh, where the Steamboat connection and the Steamboat story started. <laughs> True scientific <laughs> yeah. way, Angelo. I'd that's be so- curious. I'd be curious now to go back and do the. The gallon of milk, gallon of gas, and and rent test, and see where where all the resorts fall into place. That's right.
2: <laughs> but but now you can crash with Scholling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can drink his milk. Oh, god, that is so awesome. And and you didn't jump into
1: the Aussie world um, and get certified right away. It was a it was a couple of years, a year or two or so before you, after you were yeah. teaching.
0: Yep, and that's. I mean, like I was saying before, you know, was I was living in employee housing. I knew I needed a job on the mountain. Did the tryout, got the job. It was mainly for the past and and, and for the housing. And then, like I said, a year was so into it. I was like, man, I really like teaching. And that's when I started looking into um, certification and things like that. Because that's when I was like, man, if I'm gonna do this, I want to. I'm gonna do it right, and I'm gonna get involved and and, and go for it. And um So yeah, it was, I think my second season midway through is when I did my level one. And then, uh, the following season after that, I did my level two and I attempted my three at the end of the season and got my ride and my teach, but I was unsuccessful in my movement analysis. Um, so I did my two and pretty much knocked out my two and three, in one season, which was my third or fourth season teaching.
2: That's cool.
1: And, and, um, did you have a lot of training at Steamboat at that time when you were first starting, was there a lot of certified pros or was there any ed staff from Ozzy on the staff?
0: Yeah, we had, um, uh, certified people and we had uh, a couple examiners on staff and we had a training, you know, we had, train that would go out every morning before the mountain. You could go up an hour early before the mountain. I, I attended quite a few of those and it was inspiring to to see these guys and girls that were, you know, knew what they were doing and teaching at a, at a much, much higher level. And um, so there yeah, there was definitely um, access to some of that work in Steamboat. Yeah. Um,
1: and um, you've stayed at Steamboat, so there's got to be, a pretty good vibe to stay as long as you have and, um, keep riding there.
0: Oh yeah. It's a, it's a great place to, um, to work. Um, because there's a, there's a a variety of lessons, you know, a lot of times I hear people that leave instructing that they'll say they leave because all they do is beginners over and over and over and they get burnt out on it or something. And then I, I hear other guys that are at resorts or that are, man, I, you know, there I don't know. I just I I the balance of work, I'll get some high-end lessons, I'll do some beginners, I'll do some training. Um, and again, that took a long time for me to, to work into those positions, but there it's a great um and it's a great variety and the, the guests are awesome, the mountains good, the snow's good. Um, I really enjoy it, and that's partly why I never, i have never really moved on from there. Now I do ride at other places a lot and I do enjoy riding other places and seeing other things, but it's a great place to, uh, kind of call home and, 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 walk into the, you know, it's always fun to walk into that locker room and see people and, and be, be there. Cause when you're on the team, you're traveling a lot and you're doing things, but it's, it's a great place to come home to.
1: Yeah, because it seems looking at your background and, and all the years and the journeys, you, you've enjoyed the travel and across the international zones to, to ride elsewhere and with other teams from other countries, but you, you've definitely kept that home. That home of Steamboat is kind of the rock. And yeah. when I look, because even when you're in New Zealand, hopefully we'll talk about in a little bit, you've been at a couple of resorts in New Zealand, but in here in the US, it's Steamboat, Steamboat, Steamboat.
0: Yeah, And I, like I said, I think part of that is is having the access through ASI and team friend networks of of getting out of Steamboat and playing and having fun. And I remember my first couple seasons, like I never left Steamboat; like it was you were just there, and that's what you did. And and then you know, getting to go to do a, an ASI exam at a different mountain that was like a big trip. You're like, yeah, I'm going to leave town and go somewhere. And then the trips got bigger and they expanded farther and they got more complicated and more, more, um, you know, bigger days, longer lengths of time and for different reasons. And, and next thing you know, that, you know, it's, it, it, you have that steamboat home, you come back to it and you go and do do your other things. But I think a lot of the longevity and teaching I can contribute to, to the variety of, places that I've ridden and people I've ridden with and the different ways to be involved in the industry, not just yeah. teaching day in, day in, day in. Um, yeah. but you know, when I do get the opportunity to go back and teach, love it, you know, Yeah, yeah. seeing and, and somebody get up and do it and get hooked is amazing.
1: Yeah. And you, you talk about the bump in the roads. I mean, you had one at your level three, and and I know you came back from that right away the next season and well, finished.
0: It up. That that would have been my uh, first season in New Zealand. Like it was a late spring event, and uh, my visa and my job was pending on me having my level three. So when I found I was unsuccessful, I thought I crushed my hopes of going to New Zealand. And, uh, cause I didn't have the right qualifications, but then, um, we did, uh, I did an interview and, and they said they would still hire me and all this and that. So it didn't, it went from a blow to being okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and, how was and the that process? was the first season in New Zealand.
1: Yeah. Cause that, that was kind of that, that was the start right there for your kind of endless winners for a while. But, and, and yep. how did it, how did you, before we go to that, how did your, process through the journey of the the aussie ed staff um i don't know because i I know each of our regions here in the country has a little different as we move into ed staff what levels you go to and and how was that was
0: that a real smooth um did you have any bumps your examiner status it wasn't like it was more of and clinicking and being brought along and and then when they felt like hey this got enough or this girl's good enough you you kind of got the nod and then you were off-running your own events. Um, but you had definitely had to put some time into it, get the nod. But it wasn't like a, a three-day event that happens once a year that is a make-or-break exam-type no. environment. Um, so I went through that process and, and got in. And then, you know, you, you you're... You start at the bottom again, and then you, you're working your way through. No, it's kind of, but it, it's it, it's interesting,
1: Angela, because it goes back to you know you were talking about the skateboarding and like the curbs and the walls and all that stuff. You don't really look at those obstacles. You know, it's like, hey, talk, Scott. It's really neat. It's like, well, it wasn't really. You know, I got this. I, I thought it was really bad, but then I was able to overcome. And you know, it's a real positive attitude of like, yeah. okay. What do I? Okay, this is going on. So, what do I do with it? And uh, it's pretty neat because it's it's a pretty amazing career to see. I and mean, we haven't even talked about New Zealand yet. But in your first team tryouts, you know, how was how was that for the team tryouts? Was the first time the ticket or
0: no, no? And like you said, what were the bumps and the hurdles? And I, and I don't view view this as a bump or a hurdle. I I look at it like you said, an obstacle which created a growth opportunity, but. I, I was getting involved with the Rocky Mountain Division. I just led a, a handful of exams, and there was a few uh, more senior examiners that were talking about going to this, we're going to go try out for the national team. And I was like, well, what's the team? You know, I, I really didn't even know what all that was about, and, and I started hearing more about it. And uh, I went to a tryout. It was the 2000 tryout in snowbird utah i believe was the one and i really didn't know what i was getting involved in and uh and i saw some i met some incredible people um i saw some incredible riding and 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 it was amazing to ride in a group of high of caliber of individuals um not only in riding ability but in knowledge and 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 i don't know it was it was amazing and i i remember When that team was announced, I, I, yeah, I was a little bummed that I didn't make it, but I knew I wasn't ready to make it because I didn't know what I was getting involved in. But it did make me go, I have four years to get ready for the next tryout. And I know what I'm trying to do now. I know what I'm getting involved with. Um, And then I came back, was it 2008? No, it was 2004. And that was another uh, Snowbird tryout. And that was the year that uh, i first made the team
1: that's awesome and, and then uh very, and what a what a, a very trip cool. i mean three three terms which was a lot of the bulk of um because the learning connection model hadn't started you know wasn't being looked at it was really through the, the process you were on the snowboard team when everyone started yeah. and the teams were looking at that and it must be pretty rewarding after three terms is on the team and then the coach that when you're, you know, kind of taking it, you know, coming off the team, but going, wow, what a, what a legacy to be part of with the teams. That must have been pretty cool.
0: It's very cool, and I, the, um the inner ski in Ushuaia, we were trying to figure out what we were going to present as a, we wanted to do, and we were working with. It was when Lane Clegg was the coach, and. I was on the team and, and, and Hargraves and, and Seth and Tony. And like, we were all trying to figure out what we would bring. And it was pretty, um, pretty obvious to us. We were like, there's a, there's a, something going on in our, in our education system where people have the answers, but the answers are too stock. They're not personalized. They're not, it's like the answer, or if they're, if they're doing this exercise, this is what you do next. It was very linear and very do this, then do that, then do that. And it was the same, like kind of one size fits all. We were like, why? The answer is not wrong, but it's there's a million other things you could have said or that would have made made it better for that individual. And that's when we really started talking about some people skills stuff and we didn't call it people skills and what we actually presented in Ushuaia What this, uh, we created this, we did these, we were talking about assessing a student and then approaching a student and then engaging the student. So it was, that was kind of our what and brought through when we snowboarded with, they were on snow clinics. So we were riding with people and we, we did different approaches and, and we were like, how in in my eyes and in I don't know what other I think that I don't remember exactly what the alpine team brought that that year as their focus, but we that was the start of like a, a connection or people piece for the snowboard team and then when all the teams were getting together and thinking about where do we go with this what's next, it just kind of morphed involved and, and and we and i I'm super proud of the learning connection. It's something that can be used at all levels. And it's a great, it's a, what we can do with that in terms of personal development, giving feedback, uh, organizing uh, clinics for different people. Um, I, it's it's just a, it's a very versatile piece that you can use. And once you, Really, truly really unhand it, and you're not just like, oh, it's that triangle thing, and da 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 da. Once you get on that, it's a it's a really awesome, useful piece to to develop personally and to give feedback. I I, lo- I love it for the feedback piece of it.
1: No. And, and all this stuff you've done in the U.S. and been a part of and and to watch our national teams from when you started, when you started, it was probably each discipline was kind of in their little stovepipe and you did your thing. And yep. and then by the time you were done with the four terms, it's like it was really the teams were working together and came up with this thing that our teaching and people skills in the Learning Connection model, the same across all disciplines. And just the some of our technical components are different because the apparatus were on, but it's, that must've been a pretty big evolution for you as a team member and as a coach oh, through that time.
0: And you were spot on with the, the the disciplines in isolation there because there was not a lot of commingling and, and 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 different things. I mean you do you were all teammates, you'd have dinner together, have a beer, something like that. But when it came time to put your head down and work, it was like in silos, you know, and, and uh to see it get to the point where we're sharing ideas, there's a lot of strength in that. Um you know, there's, it's, it's, it's very good. And it's, it's really important um, to snowboarding too. not, you know, we don't want to lose our identity, identity through all that as well. Um, but I think that it's, it's being done in a way that we can still be snowboarders, but we are all talking a lot of the same game and a lot of the same language and it, and it is very applicable all, all around. Um, so it's, it's, it's,
2: and,
1: and and
0: Angelo, um, when it
1: comes to you know his comments, Scott's about you know they don't want to lose their identity. I, I would say Angelo is challenging us in Alpine to lose some of our identity to be a little more free and exploratory. Here he comes.
2: <laughs> I I think I think it's evident which way the flow is going. Like the style flow, the the attitude flow is not moving from ski world to snowboard. It, it's moving from snowboard to ski do you agree with that
0: yeah i 100 um, agree
2: and i don't because know if, if so if you, know, if you were if it were going from um from ski to snowboard you guys would all be wearing stretch pants on your snowboards and that's just that's just not what ha- what's happening skiing is adopted there's... style it's adopted um slope style you know j- just terrain park it it's moving in that direction. So I think the identity crisis there's challenges is with op-
0: that for sure though,
2: mm-hmm. there's definitely some
0: challenges. And like you talk about bumps in the road, those yeah. are probably yeah. the bumps <laughs> in the road that have been the, the hardest is how long it's taken to, um, you know, I, I, that, that first team when I was the coach and, uh, I was celebrating with, with the guys and, and the, the, the snowboard team. And I was, I was being totally genuine, and this isn't a diss to any of the other snowboard coaches, and it it's not, I, it was genuine to my guys. I said, man, I feel like we made it to the adult table on this team. Like we are involved in the conversations. We're not sitting at the kids' table anymore. Mm-hmm. And I congratulated them on that because when we got into the start of the learning connection model, we split up our team and we put certain people on certain task force with people and teaching and connection and it was the first time snowboarders sit in a room together we we left and went into other rooms and then after our our times and our talks we would come back to our room what are they what's going on in that group what's going on in that group and that's when we were talking about the the snowboard team stuff and i like i said i felt like that was the the first time in all those years that it was like Thanksgiving dinner, getting invited to the, to the adult table and not sitting in the, in the little table. Mm-hmm. There we're snowboarders standing next to skiers presenting on the big stage, which was awesome to see. Now mm-hmm. well, you got to love
2: that, Angelo. I, I think we should all love it, you know. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: cool that um. Well, we hear, it, you know, you you get the the marketing thing, and, and you know, we hear it from a lot of the people. You know, Jeb talks about it, but it's it's really becoming real. It's it is one team. It's not that you know just the saying it's one team. It's really that all the disciplines are working together, which is good.
0: I hope it stays so, that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and meshes well, I, more and more. Well, I think even as an alumni, you'll still probably have some involvement of uh, things. So you'll probably be one of the people who are trying to make sure that happens.
0: I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm involved. I wanna be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's a question um before because I do want to talk a little bit about your New Zealand because I think people will love that the snowboard crews around the US will is um when you when you look at your time on the team, you're now off the team in terms of your alumni now and, and step down from being the coach. What's it like? Was it? Is it? Uh, what are the things you miss? What are the things that you've had some more time to do that you you like that extra time? Or, you know, what's it like life as an alumni off the team?
0: It's uh, you definitely miss it. You're like, oh, I should be at training right now, or I should be looking at what gear I'm going to order. And like, there's things that you definitely, you you miss, but then you're also like, Oh, I've got this free time and I've always been wanting to do this and, or do that. So I'm definitely like this trip I'm on right now. You know, I don't, there's no way I could get away at this time of the year uh, before because it was team training and then all the resort stuff. And, you know, you're doing some division stuff and there was just so much going on. And for me to get away for two weeks, um, right before the ski season, um, was, was incredible. So this, this was an amazing, um, good thing to be able to do. And, you know, I had, I had my daughters here and my partner, Christina, and we just spent, we just went surfing every day and to see all three of them up on a wave cruising in towards the beach. You're just like, you just lay back and smile and, 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 and you really enjoy it, take it in. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff like that and, and just having, I mean, I'm not, I'm not leaving the, the, the ski industry or, or teaching. I just don't have the team title. And and some of that just relieves a little strap on your shoulders and opens new doors. Um, like I'm going to be doing a, a lot more work. Uh, I've worked with this uh, company called Mint mint tours, um, leading, uh, snowboard guides, uh, snowboard trips. I'm going to be doing some more trips with those guys. Cause I have more availability now. Um, they're, you know, so it's just being able to shift and, and and move, move in different directions, you know, having yeah, that, that's... that more, more freedom to do it. Cause you have the time to do it.
1: Yeah. And, and you made a shift back when, which we've kind of passed. We talked about your U.S. time and the team and that. But during this time, you've also been going to New Zealand quite a bit. Um, you had quite a few years in yep. a row. I, I guess there was one or two breaks for a few years here and there, but pretty much some endless winners for you for quite a few yeah, years. I, had,
0: I did a stretch of, I think it was nine or 10 years where I did Colorado, Queenstown, back and forth. And then I stopped for about eight years, and then I went back for another six-year stretch, six or seven-year stretch, and uh, actually got very lucky. Uh, my partner Christina was in was in grad school, finishing up the season in New Zealand, and she said, "Hey, we should skip a season because I want to focus on school." Da 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 da, and I was like supportive of that, and I was like, "Okay." So we got out of our lease, sold our cars made you know like settled on not going back to new zealand the following summer and that was the season covid hit and we <laughs> wouldn't have been able to go back if we would have wanted to either because they're yeah. they were shut down was it three two or three seasons the, the mm-hmm. borders were shut down couldn't work over there couldn't couldn't do anything and now they're they're getting back into it but um so we just happened to um make some decisions and and dodge that bullet and not have all of our um, eggs in that basket and then have it crushed or taken away. Um, And then we started having summers and and really got back into some things I haven't done for a while, skated a little more, got on my bike a lot, uh, spent some time in the river. We, We got the raft back out and paddle boarding and just all these things that I would get small doses of, but not a full summer of and and those all came you know I was able to bring those back and and get that going again which was I, I enjoyed as, as bad as it was when COVID with with all the crap we had to deal with in our lives I had a great time <laughs> like <laughs> I enjoyed my summer and, and 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 having getting out and doing stuff it was. I, I
1: it's, it's, it's good. good. It's another one, Angela, making the best of what he's got, man. It's just you know, this these aren't walls; they're just kind of little obstacles. How can I overcome these things? I'm going to have some fun. And and when you were in New Zealand, it wasn't just hey, I'm going to New Zealand and going to ride and teach. I mean, you went through the certifications there, and and oh, yeah. then as far as I know, that wasn't good enough. It's like I'm going to you know become part of the the Ed staff in New Zealand to do certifications and train and be an examiner there. Yes.
0: I went through the uh, certification process there and then uh, went through the examiner. They had a somewhat of a tryout system at that time and and got invited to that. And actually one of the big motivations for that is it's a little bit different in the States than it is down there in terms of how you get involved in, in teaching here in the, in the States you go to a school, you get involved, you do a hiring clinic, they train you, you get a job, then you join the PSI, ASI, then you get, you get certified. Down there, you basically, a lot of, a lot of times you, you go, go to training, you pay to go to a training company, you train, then you get certified, then you apply for a job at a ski resort. So um, it's, it's a little bit different pathway And there's a lot of jobs down there where you just um, would run these multi-week programs where you would work with potential instructors that are training for their exams. So I I did a lot of that down there where I would work six, 11 weeks with the same group of people. And the goal was for them to sit their exam and pass their exam so they could get a job teaching the following year. So that was a that was a, one of the motivating things to get involved with the system down there was to get if i got to the examiner status I would be more likely to get a a, a better job um with a training program and working a, a system like that um so that was that was um one of the drivers for that and I actually worked with a program down there called uh wintech it was a it was when uh the the whole it was this was in the uh what would have been the 2000s early 2000s and japan was just blowing up with snowboarding the snowboard scene in japan was crazy and Wintech was a japanese company that was bringing japanese snowboarders to new zealand and then we would run camps for them we did freestyle camps border cross camps and uh free ride camps And, and and they offered an instruction camp and i would work with five four or five japanese they would be learning english and learning to um snowboarding in the in the same at the same time so there would be an they'd go to the classroom in the morning and then i would spend the afternoon with them on the hill and i'd get notes from the teacher and there would sit the english teacher and they'd be like oh we worked on colors today or something. And then I would try to incorporate colors into the lesson so that as we're teaching them how to teach snowboarding, we're reinforcing their, their English skills. And, um, it was amazing to watch these guys because some of them went from their level one all the way to their level two and in, in like a 12 week course, wow. learning English and how to teach, which I was baffled and amazed, but it was such a different way to teach. We would do lots of drawings and 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 we had to get through language barriers and we had to do all this. It was, I really enjoyed it and it made it uh, very entertaining and fun for me to, to watch these guys learn and grow and develop and on all levels.
2: Scott, I was going to ask um, you to talk a little bit about similarities and differences with American and, and, american students and new and students from New Zealand, but do you think you could talk about that and throw in your experience with the Japanese students as well? Like what do you find they all have in common yeah. and what's a little bit different with them?
0: Well, I think the the user the the user that goes to the ski resort in in New Zealand as a whole, not to stereotype it as a as as one thing, but a lot of people. Um, Just want to come and it, it's, 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 there's so much to do in New Zealand, especially in Queenstown, that the resorts are competing as a, uh, as a, a source of entertainment. So just because there's jet boating, rafting skydiving like all these things and you're there for a week and one of the things that you do on that week is you spend a day at a mountain and you go snowboarding or skiing and so you get a lot of you you get a lot of people that maybe didn't know they wanted to be snowboarders um that are just trying it and all of a sudden they come back a second day and and whatever And, and there's some there's there's an it's a different audience there because i feel like especially in steamboat or, or the bigger destination type resorts when people come they already know that they're skiers or snowboarders or you know they they just spent a lot of money to go on a vacation they didn't spend a lot of money to just see what it's like to ski or snowboard you know they're they're already committed and in new zealand They're going up to the mountain for a lot of time. It's amazing how many students I had in New Zealand. After you start talking to them, they're they're literally saying, this is the first time I've ever seen snow. I've never touched it before. Never seen it. And and so there's this, this whole new experience that you get to share with them that is very, very different. I see a lot more of that in New Zealand than I do in the States in terms of of uh your general user you know general person that's at the resort um that's one thing with the guest and then in terms of uh you know certifications and, and things like that i i feel like we're all you know good snowboarding is good snowboarding I mean, we may have different language or different terminology but um it's very, I mean, that, that part's pretty much similar Mm -hmm. progressions, things like that. Very similar Um, conditions, snow conditions can be pretty different there. Some of the iciest days I've ever had uh, were down there, but some of the, some of the soft, some, you know, lots of great days down there as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we get, especially in in steamboat or in colorado where we have this scale where we're like oh it's kind of it's kind of icy today it's kind of crappy but that scale is on a different level in different areas different regions i know even in the us from east coast to west coast there, there's there's some experience in that as well <laughs> yeah we have different levels of firm out here in the east <laughs>
1: not really soft just different levels of firm yeah, an
2: ice ra- ice rating system
1: <laughs> yeah we go from real world cup yeah. to uh kind of just icy but then we have the real world cup conditions that's coming into killington now, oh, here's there. The-
0: <laughs> that, that that just reminded something really funny i heard this last winter i i we we're talking about customers and guests at the resort and i was on a bus on a shuttle bus i think from the parking lot to the base area or something and i was eavesdropping a little bit on the guys in front of me just because i that they were they were a little bit older guys carrying snowboards and i was kind of wonder what these guys are chatting about and They were having a conversation and it was a, it was a scaling system that we were just talking about, but on a whole nother level that I've never heard of before, they were comparing grooming at resorts to golf courses. They were like, oh man. I rode at this resort and the grooming was, it was like playing a real shitty public course. (laughs) And then somebody else, the other guy was like, Oh, I was at this other resort and it was like playing Augusta, man. It was perfect. And And I'm not a golfer, but I thought that was a a very interesting uh, scaling system. That is funny. So you've been,
1: across the world and, in um, in different places to ride, you know, what's is the snowboard culture, the snowboard culture, or do you see some different aspects in different parts of the world that you've traveled to?
0: Um, there's definitely some different aspects and some different things, but, um, I, I always think it's kind of funny that we travel all over the world. And we, when I say we snowboarders and different, different individuals that are in, in the industry and in, into snow sports, you travel so far and you go to a destination that you feel at home with. It's like going through the big cities and the airports and the shuttles and all that stuff is part of the adventure. And then you get this sigh of relief when you see a chairlift or or a bar at the bottom of a run. You're like, Hey, I made it. I'm at home now. Even (laughs) though you're on the other side of the world, you're, you're, you're home. And, And part of that is, the, the, the culture, the people, the surroundings, um, you know, um, so that part of it stays stays very much the same. And I'll, I will say this, the um, I've been doing some work in um, China over the years. And uh, one of the things that is fascinating over there is they don't always have the best snow conditions. They don't always have the best resorts. But man, those guys are eager for information and they are excited for it. You know sometimes you get in a, a psia clinic and it's a good snow day and and you're you're like hey guys we got to do these level one demos because it's part of the exam I, we won't spend a lot of time on it but i at least got to do it once so i can mark you off on it and you can just see people are going through the motions because they kind of have to and you 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 know you're going you, you have that same conversation in china and, and those guys are Stoke. Oh, can we do it again? Let's try it. Give me some feedback on my J-turn. You're like, you don't hear that at a, at a clinic in the States, you know, it's, it's, they're very, very into it. And they're, they're, they want to learn and, and they want the information and it's, 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 it's very cool. And that's a, so excited to get out and, and learn and ride and, and try different things. No, pretty, pretty. Go ahead, Angelo. I, I, there's a level, there's a level of energy and a buzz you get from that being in front of that group. You know, <laughs> when you have a group that that's anything you do is exciting, and and they want more. It's 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 there's something really awesome about being in, in front of a group like that.
2: It it's pretty easy to tell how genuine of a person you are, Scott. And and just a few weeks ago when we were in New Jersey hanging out at the Snow Immersion conference it did we hadn't met yep. before that and it didn't take me long to figure out that you were pretty straight up honest guy and um i stumbled across a video that's that's pretty old i think it's about 10 years old now on youtube you and a a student of yours named dave hunter the blind oh, yeah. snowboarder yeah and 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 you your interactions with dave in that video are terrific but um you you alluded to how that experience with him changed your you had to alter your teaching style to work with him because he was blind yeah. but i wondered when i was watching that i wondered like moving forward from that experience with him and you taught him snowboarding and skateboarding which or worked with him you did, he he had a little skill in both coming to you but like how did that experience change you as a teacher moving forward
0: oh yeah I grew a lot as a teacher um through through my time and experience with Dave. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a funny story about how Dave and I actually connected and, and and this is how our relationship started. And it we we rode a lot. We rode for many, many years. And unfortunately Dave's not not with us anymore. But um he uh we rode a lot and we had a we had some amazing times together. And like like you said, the growth for me personally as, as a human and also as a, as a teacher, um, has been amazing. And I, I owe a lot today for that, oh, but, um, God. he called me, he got my number. I'm not even sure exactly how he got my phone number, but he introduced himself and he goes, he said he wanted to learn to, to snowboard. And I said, Oh yeah, I can teach you how to snowboard. And we, we probably talked for 10 minutes before he mentioned he was blind.
2: Hmm.
0: And then <laughs> he said, uh, he said, and you know, I'm blind and they won't let me snowboard. They said I have to ski. And right away I was like, well, that's BS. Well <laughs> if you want to snowboard, we'll we'll get you to snowboard. Like, we'll figure it out. And I told them, I said, if you're willing to work with me, I'm willing to work with you. I've never taught a blind snowboarder before. I've never even thought about how to do it. But if you're willing to work with me, we can figure it out. And it was um that's how that was our phone call, and then we we started on the snow and and figured a few things out. And it was it was like a partnership, you know, to 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 figure out. We there were certain things we we went through, and he was like, "No, I don't like that." And we're like, "Sweet, we don't have to do that." Or, "Oh, this works really good for me." And we we'd figure out what we were working. And as we as our our relationship and the trust grew, and as our skill grew we went back to the things that we didn't like and they 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 started to work more and um just tried to keep that um i mean he was just to me he was just a, a great guy and, a, and another student you know and you when you have somebody in front of you that is a great person that wants to learn you figure out how to do it and and that's what we did and that's Anybody- funny that you brought that up cuz i haven't haven't heard that in a while i haven't heard or talked about dave in a while so that that Thank you for bringing that up. That's really well, cool.
2: It, anybody who's listening and wants to see that video, the, the clip on YouTube yeah. is called believing isn't always seeing, or you can just search for Scott Anfang, AASI, and, and scroll a little bit and find it, but it's definitely worth a watch. Cause it, it's, um, I mean, it's about 10 minutes long, but you can just absolutely tell from watching that, that Scott's the real deal, you know, and, and Dave was a real deal. And know it was really nice to see. Yeah.
0: We, uh, we actually we'll get some got big hits on it right now, right Angel. That.
1: <laughs> you'll, get, well, Scott, that? you'll get about two, you'll get about 2 million hits on it now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause our Here one, listen, cause our one listener is going to watch. Our one listener will do times. it 2
1: million times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we actually got,
0: um, you know, that was, uh, that project was through, uh, PSIA. Um, it, there was a time when there was a, a go with the pro series. It was a, it was a part of that series. And, um, we got invited to an adventure film festival and, uh, and got, and got to speak and, and play that movie, um, that clip at, at it, uh, in Boulder, which was a, which was a really fun, uh, pretty awesome thing and exposure for snowboarding and, 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 you know, for people that. Want to get out there? If, if it's something you want to do, you can figure it out, man.
1: No, well, that, that I mean, that, that's the whole philosophy, Angel. Even with with um, teaching Dave to ride and working with Dave on that, I mean, that's been your thing the whole time. Figure it out, and and there's more to. And I do want to ask this because it's it's cool. You know, we've kind of joked a little bit about it. it's like, hey, you you went to steamboat, and you're like, how'd you figure that out? And you're like, well, I did the milk and that, which I know you did. But you definitely, I think, behind the scenes, you know, put plans together. I mean, you know, like you talked about when you went to New Zealand, I want to figure out how do I make more money doing this? How do I get to that level? I can have a training thing so I can have the mixture. I'm not just in the trenches all day. I mean, everywhere you went, it was kind of like, you know, you were definitely not worried about obstacles. But then when you got there, you said, all right, now, what can I do to make these things work? There was definitely some plans. I think you probably put some good thought into
0: Oh yeah. Like I, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, you try to try to enjoy life and and, and do what you want to do and live in the moment. But you're also like, I'm always like, well, what's next? Where do we go from here? And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because you, you're never settled. You're always like, Oh, what do we do now? What do we do now? You know, because it's always like, where, where do we take it from here? Um, so I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely been a fun journey. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And and you I, I know I've I've heard I, I still I read or heard it somewhere when you were talking about after you didn't make the team the first time and you went back to work on stuff, you didn't go back and like say, I gotta train, train, train. You went back and said, I gotta get out there and work with people. You were out there doing the job, like teaching snowboarding, and that was your training. You talked a lot about that or wrote about that, didn't you?
0: Yeah. And it was, I mean, I think what I learned uh uh what i learned through the i could say this probably pretty much through all the tryouts the the successful ones the unsuccessful ones the ones where i was a participant the one where i was the selector as the coach through all of those i i i've seen there there's a level of knowledge that is like a baseline you got to you got to understand um the textbook stuff but there's 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 just the people I feel like the people that are rising and and getting on the team and and, in the tryouts and I can speak for the snowboard more than the alpine because I've been on I've been on both sides of it all the way through but it's that that's a piece of it but it's not an exam it's not a pass fail thing it's a selection and in that selection it's Knowing the information, but then having stories and having experience and being able to connect connect the the model to 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 a, sto- a a student that you had in the past or to an experience you had in your own free riding where you were afraid and you tried something and being vulnerable enough to tell that story and share it and 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 learn and like I I feel like that's a a very important part to anybody potentially trying out. It's, it's, it's not an exam. It's not pass fail. And the answer is not in a book. The answer is, the answer is what you shape and what you make out of your experience and your knowledge. Um, that, that, that would be my advice to anybody that's thinking that, Hey, I want to try out for the team. Now teams changed a bit, you know, that it was, uh, There was a lot more independent and travel and clinic. And now there's more, there's a lot more computer time and a lot more face time, a lot more spreadsheet time, um, which opens up a whole nother caliber of person. That would be an awesome team member. When I first started the team, my first team, it was like, Oh, you have a laptop. Oh, I should get one of those. Now you, you can't even like, (laughs) like, it's just part of like you, it's part, it's your laptop is just as important as your snowboard. As a team no, member,
1: sure. <laughs> and and um, this will be the first For good or bad, yeah, yeah, right? So go. <laughs> this this will be the first interski coming up in quite a while that you won't be an active team member. Do you plan on going to Levy in Finland?
0: Uh, I would love to go. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to go, to be honest. Okay. And it's not a. It's not a. Uh, not a like that. I don't want to go. It's just, we'll see, we'll see what's, what's on the calendar and what the schedule brings at that time. Yeah. Well, um, you're on a little different path now. You, and, that's, and that's kind of the next if question the opportunity like, is there. I definitely yeah. will go, but it's, it's one of those. <laughs> so is there, and you,
1: you mentioned the mint tours, and I wanted to ask you about something else that if you still got it going, I know you started before COVID the, yeah. is it uh, ghost? Snow? Um, I think is what it's called. Yes. It, you And is that still active and you working with that? Is that one of your projects?
0: Fortunately, it's not active right now. It's on, it's put, up, it got put on the back burner. Um, we had a lot of, a lot of success stories with it, but it, for whatever reason, um, the industry just wasn't ready to, to go on. I think there was a timing issue and I thought yeah. it was going to work in our favor unplanned because uh, our whole thing is, was touchless point of sale. The don't go in, inside, do it from the hill, da, 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 da. And when COVID hit, I was like, oh my God, this is everything we've been saying. We di- we already built something that does all this. And, um, I think at the time when we were trying to get involved with resorts, they were more focused on staying open than being innovative. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of resorts aren't the most innovative in general, like <laughs> this system works, we're going to work, we're going to do it. So it was like, it was hard. And, and, the decision was seemed to be, if we get this, is it going to help us stay open? and and or is it or is it a convenience? And if it was something that was going to keep them open, that's where their energies were. And ours was more of a convenience for the guest to get involved and, and connect with other snowboarders and connect with skiers and um, and potentially book a lesson. That was our goal. To make it easier for this for the guests to participate and get them in the ski school doors and uh the ski school was just i feel like a lot of them were just worried about keeping their doors open at the time so we actually put snow on the back burner and uh if the time is right and the opportunity is there i I, i'm sure we'll Bring it back out and, and make something happen of it. But for right now, we just kind of set that one aside.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, hey,
1: this has been awesome. I I hope in the future we can get you back because I, I just know Angelo, there's going to be something he's doing in the future. It's it's you know just the way Scott is that we know. I uh, probably two years from now, a year from now, six months from now, we're going to be going. Scott didn't tell us who's going to be doing that, and then we chat with him. He's like, "Well, I didn't know either." <laughs>
0: What do you got, Angela? No, we I'd love love to come back, man. Yeah,
2: definitely. I only have one question. It's a New Zealand question. Um Yeah. A, any Lord of the Rings stories? We
0: <laughs> no we there was a lot of Lord of the Ring, like we went to a lot of the sites and the different places that they were. But I'll tell you something else. I'll like Lord of the Rings connects to the to the movies and all this i did do a a visa commercial down there we we were filming a visa commercial and and i uh tried out sent in some videos got had to get an agent and we did some uh we did a i ended up thank god i i they needed i don't know why they needed this but they needed a a, a they needed a body double for mark mcmorrison and they originally said they wanted me to do it, and then they were like, "Oh, we just need some simple shots. We need to hit you to hit that like hundred foot jump over there, and this and that." And I was like, "Whoa!" Like, in the end, I ended up in the commercial as his coach. It was a, a different guy that was the athlete, but that was a pretty fun, fun experience. There's a lot of different um, movie, movies, and filming, and commercials, and things like that that happen that are done down there that it's pretty easy to get involved with um, in terms of a uh, either a double or, or somebody in the audience for certain things. Um, but um, it's cool. I actually got an email the other day. They were looking for, it was from that agent in New Zealand. They were looking, they're like, oh, you'd fit the model for this motorcycle ad. Do you ride motorcycles? I was like, I'm not there anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. See, I tell you, Angela, the stories can go on and and we'll have in a couple, even a couple months, we'd have some crazy, I mean, as his winter goes on, because he's like, well, we got to see what the schedule is. I know there's, I mean, a month from now, two months from now, we could be talking to him after, uh, you know, he didn't go to, to, to Levy and go to intersky. But I guarantee there'll be some really cool stuff that he's been doing all winter.
2: You know, I'm,
0: I'm I I hope so. To, I'm sure there will be.
2: Hoping <laughs> to maybe run into you at National Academy, Scott.
0: Yeah. are You're heading out? Yeah. You want to be there?
2: Yeah, I'll be there. Look for you. Perfect. You'll be there.
0: I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, Yeah. Love, love to make that happen. Right on. Maybe you should bring your snowboard, Angelo. Maybe I will, Dave.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Make him get out there and get video. I want to see some video of him doing some crazy stuff on a snowboard.
2: Yes, see some video. Bro.
1: Don't you worry. No, I meant a you, Angelo. I know, I know what, what you can do. I, I want to see you. <laughs> I'm a step ahead of you. I hear you. Dude, you're more than one step ahead of me on the snowboard. I'm half a step. The ahead. first step is you have a snowboard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had that avalanche kick from 1988.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have mine either, man. Uh, I, every so. once in a while, I'll see one on a wall somewhere and I'll be like, oh, I wonder where mine ended up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. You
0: know what I did see the other day, Angelo? <laughs> I, uh, we, you know, since we were prepping for this call, there was a couple uh, exchanges on Messenger. One of your, uh, memories popped up on my Facebook feed. It made me laugh and chuckle. It was you. I'm assuming it's the ramp that's in your backyard. Oh, yeah. Jumping into it on your snowboard. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I we saw were, that too. I we did like, see that. Yeah. We were like three quarters of a bottle of wine in and we looked out the window, and all of a sudden there's like 10 <laughs> inches of snow on the ramp and the snowboard's hanging there in the kitchen. And I'm like, I'm dropping in. <laughs> and yeah, that was nice. Like, that was pretty funny. Hey, let me, let me, give me. Four seconds to grab something yeah. off the wall to see if you recognize this. Ready?
1: Uh, here he goes. He's He loves the skateboard stuff. He is a skateboard. He wants to be 12 again to skateboard, to have that body when he was 12. Uh, keeps beating himself up that now. That would be amazing. Yeah. He had someone that was working with him some rehab a year and a half ago and it was like, he had to stop skateboarding for like six months. He wasn't happy.
2: You were talking about wondering where that avalanche kick is. And I don't know where mine is either. Yeah. But- my my uncle lives presently in a house I I grew up in when I was a kid, and he was rummaging around in the attic and came across this board. Came across this deck. You recognize that old? Oh yeah, that old Neil yeah. Blender coffee. Look out, Neil Blender. Yeah, the GNS. Yep. Look at that classic. There's Wish three. I had that kick. If I had that kick, I'd hang it right next to this Neil Blender deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great board. Yeah, right on. I might have that <laughs> tattoo also. Oh, gee. Do you, you have, have that? that You're gonna get that tattoo? It's right there. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Form- I gotta love my buddy Angelo. Pretty formative years. There you go, man.
1: Well, I I Scott, thanks so much for taking the time on your vacation oh, thank you. out of Mexico to chat with us. We really do appreciate your time. And I know um, a lot of the folks out there, listeners, and definitely some of the snowboard folks that have been asking us to have some snowboard folks on, will uh, be happy that you came on. And uh, thanks for all your, your uh, time you've given to the team and the organization over the years. I know it had to be a lot over, all those terms and definitely part of the crew and it's nice to to hear that uh it's great to have you at the the, the, um, the adult table as you put it
0: <laughs> i get to be at the adult table now sometimes i want to sneak back to the kids table though
1: yeah well well angela and i would tell you we always wonder, we figure you know we're always at the kids table anyways in
2: our world <laughs> we got sent to the kids table after this podcast started (laughs) (laughs) oh man
1: oh hey everybody thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this one this is uh the fall line with chaos and company